Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. So this is like, don't tell the other camps, and you won't because you don't know what they are, but this is my absolute favorite camp. It really is. Uh, It's my kids too. Um, It's the only camp that I've ever asked the kitchen staff for recipes from, ever. Like that pizza tonight, the barbecue chicken pizza, I'm like, we need to know how to make that. We need to, and maybe you didn't like it, I don't care. We need to know how to make it. And if you don't like it, even better, because I'll eat more. And that's kind of how we go. So while we're gone, we have a dog that stays with my mother-in-law, and we miss her terribly. Her name's Snips, and that's not because she bites. It's a Star Wars reference from the Clone Wars. And if you don't watch it, you don't need to start now. It's too confusing to jump in Star Wars at this point, because it's all kind of like, meh. Anyways, um, cool stuff. Then we have two turtle. well... Two weeks ago, our turtle died. We have one turtle now. I always introduce it as two turtles, and I just realized it's the first time ever that I've had to say I have one turtle, and it's really sad. Ten-year-old Donatello passed away, floating in the top of the tank and everything. It was, yeah, like the Ninja Turtle. The other one is Angelo. It's a little mixture. She's, she's still going. He's still going strong, rather. Donatello was a girl. It was actually Donatello. And um, so Raph's still alive. We have a, a house sitter who watches our house, feeds our turtles, um, occasionally cleans the filter, and when they don't, when she doesn't, they die, And um, apparently. And she watches our stuff, gets our mail, all that cool stuff while we're gone, mows my grass, drives our other car, you know, to make sure everything's in good working condition and all that stuff. So this girl who's watching our house, she's 21, she works at this barbecue restaurant down the street, good friends with her family, and these guys, she just started working there. These guys start hitting on her who are, like, way too old for her. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like, girls, you're like, a guy notices you, and you're like, oh, my goodness, he notices me. When he has gray hair, you're like, oh, I'm so creeped out, all right? And so, like, these guys are like, hey, sweetie, you're just the cutest thing I've ever seen. And she's like, ah, you know? And so she's freaking out about this because a couple of them have been, like, really, really flirtatious, not just regular old man creepy, but, like, really flirtatious with her. And so she started to notice some things throughout the week as this kind of creeped her out. It's only a couple blocks from where we live. And so as she's headed to our street, she's coming down this big hill, and then there's a stop sign, then you come across the other side, and we're like three houses in, all right? So if you're ever around, please say hi. I didn't tell you very much, but there it is, Hunter Street. There was where we live. And there's, there's this, um, this street lamp there, and there's a guy standing under the street lamp. He's not on the phone. He's not talking to anybody. He's not holding anything. He's just standing there, right? And as, as she goes by, he just kind of goes, follows the car. Now, mind you, it's at night, and she's got headlights on, and there's no way he can see who's in the car. She doesn't know that, and it's freaking her out, right? So she goes home. She goes inside. She locks the door. She puts the little chain on and everything. She goes upstairs. She takes a shower. Now, our room that she's staying in has a glass door in the shower, and uh, while she's taking a shower, the steam builds up in there so much that she starts to see a message that had been handwritten on the side of the shower. And it said, hey there, hottie. Freaked her out so bad, especially when it started running down, the condensation started running down. She got out of the shower, called her parents, who live about 10 minutes away, and the police. Her parents got there before the police. Fortunately, he didn't get pulled over. And we have a, the Ring app. I wish I would like downloaded the video and stuff. He comes up, this dude is huge. Her dad, like, he could bench press a lot of weight. If I was the bar, 
And then he puts the weights on the end because I'm shaped more like the bar than anybody who would actually work out. And so he gets, like, I mean, he, could, he can do, at one point he was doing like almost 500 pounds bench press. I mean, big dude. All right, he shows up to the door with a gun in his hand. I was like, is that a gun in his hand? Zoom in on the ring. Anybody have the ring app at home? Okay, anyways, it's just a camera at your front door to, so you can be like, act like you're home. Just leave the package there. We're seriously in here. Nobody, everybody knows you're gone. Anyways, um, so he's like, He's got, he's beaten, oh, sorry, left hand, beaten right here, and he's got this big gun in his hand. And I'm just like, because it's North Carolina, and there's more guns in every household than people. That's, even my house, there's more guns than people, all right? That won't be the case in a little bit, because my wife and I are getting ready to adopt, and uh, after we do that, we'll need another gun. All right, so, he's, he's beating on the door, he's got this gun here, and these, we zoom into the gun, I'm like, oh my goodness, she opens the door goes into her mom's arm. She's just bawling. Then the police arrive a day late and a dollar short. And so they show, they're like, what's going on? And he's got a gun, Andy's got a gun in his hand. He's already like went straight in, went all through. She's like, my husband has a gun. He has a concealed carry permit. It's, he's, like, he's like, all right, put it on the ground. So he's like, like a big, you can see a big guy trying to squat with a gun. It's pretty funny. So he's like a massive chest and everything. Puts, puts the gun down and everything, and the guy's like, okay, what happened? And, and she explains it, and he says, I see you have Ring. Do you have access to the app on your phone? She says, yes, I do. They start looking back through. Garbage truck. No, that's not it. Oh, here's Rachel arriving home. Oh, here's her, her leaving. Here's a couple more cars because I get the sensitivity really light. Here's the mailman. Here's Rachel coming back. And it's like, okay. Nobody came in through the front door, maybe is the back door. She's like, no, I've got this like panic bar underneath the back door. Like if somebody kicks in the back door, they'll break their ankle. It'll be funny for us. And we'll be like, why are you on our back porch? Oh, that's right. You tried to rob us. All right. Get one of the other, uh, those devices out of the sleep. Anyways, I'm just kidding. So they're like trying to figure this out. And then her mom looks at her and she's like, well, honey, do you think maybe that something Nate might've written there for Debbie? She's been there for a month. Showering in the shower and never noticed the message that I wrote with a bar of soap so it wouldn't come off to my wife. So every day since we've moved into this house, <laughs> every day since we've moved into our house, she has written me a note or I've written her a note. And usually it's like, I love you, and I'll either mark it out and write something else, or I'll write more below it, or add a heart or something. And we're constantly writing each other these notes. And like right before we left, I thought, she's not wiping mine off today, and she thought she had wiped it off. I took soap, and before the shower started and everything got steamy and stuff, I wrote, hey there, hottie. Never thinking about this girl house-sitting for us. And a month goes by. That means every time she got in the shower, that message appeared. And she never noticed it. She never noticed it. And here's why she never noticed it, because she wasn't dwelling in fear. It was once she started to go down that path where she was thinking about fear, like fearful things, like, oh, these guys are creepy, and she's walking out to her car after she worked, like looking around to make sure none of them were still hanging around, especially if they ate really late. And then she would go home at some random guy underneath a streetlight who had nothing to do with her, probably, who had nothing to do. She's like, is that one of those guys? I don't know. I'm just going to go into the garage and like lock everything down and everything that she was looking at was now through a new lens of fear. And when we look through a lens of fear, it will affect the way we view everything. And where she probably, if that wasn't going on at work, 
would have seen that and laughed because she knows that my wife and I are like that, all right? She would have laughed about it and be like, oh, that's sweet, or oh, ew, they're old. You know, one of those two reactions she probably would have had, but she wasn't able to have those reactions because she had a different lens on, and it affected the way that she viewed everything. And I talked to her about this on the phone the next day, and I was like, you know, what if none of that had happened at work? She was like, I just thought because this has happened and this is how. I said, if none of that had happened at work, would you have thought first off somebody broke into my house, wrote with their finger on it, probably got it all steamy first for no apparent reason just to make sure it worked, and then wrote the message on there with the oil from their fingers, and then left, <laughs> crept out. I was like, <laughs> next time she takes a shower. She'll know I've been there. You know, I mean, like, would you have thought that? And she was like, no, I would have thought it was you guys, but it was the furthest thing from my mind because of what had been happening in my life. Depending on what you've been through, and I don't know what that is, I've, I've ran into a lot of students this, this summer, just this summer alone, that have dealt, dealt with, like, um, being suicidal, cutting, talked to a kid who had multiple personality disorder because of some trauma he went through, People have been physically abused, sexually abused. I mean, this is just the kids who actually came up and told me about it. So I know you're all coming in with different stuff. People whose parents were in the midst of getting divorced or whose grandma or grandparent or, uh, or even a parent had cancer or they had already lost a parent, either one who had abandoned them or somebody who had actually died. And dealing with, I talked to a girl on the last night of camp who told me that her three-year-old brother had just died a year before drowning in, the, in their swimming pool in their backyard. Like the stuff that people come into camp with or any situation, any room, you're walking through a mall, there's people who've been through stuff. We don't realize that everybody's coming with something else. And all of the things that we deal with in life, all of those ashes, we're talking about beauty from ashes this week, all of those ashes become lenses through which we view the world. And it affects everything we see. And sometimes it causes us to look up instead of for help, but kind of in anger. And we're like, if there's somebody up there how come he didn't prevent this from happening or that from happening? Where is God? And sometimes we get to the point where we try to push out the thought that even God even exists. And I went through several years in middle school and high school where I basically was an agnostic borderline on atheist, except I was mad at God. You can't be an atheist and mad at God because if he's fictional, what are you mad at? You know what I mean? So like I was really angry at God for several things, and one was for my grandfather passing away. And I didn't know why God didn't do something about it. You know what I'm saying? So we all come in with all that different stuff. And those lenses, I want us this week to start to remove some of those lenses because we can't tell what we're supposed to do. What your purpose is, which is one of the biggest questions I ever hear from teens. What does God, what does God want to do with my life? What purpose do I have? Do I even have a purpose? Do I matter? Like those types of questions are really heavy questions. But we can't figure out the answers to those questions if we have the wrong lens that we're looking through. It'll distort everything that we see, and it'll start to play tricks on us, on our mind, about what is reality and what isn't reality. Jesus didn't have any qualms about understanding exactly who he was. When he was on this earth, when he came to earth and was, was living this perfect life so that he could die for us, no qualms about who he was. He knew exactly who he was supposed to be. As a matter of fact, all of our teachings this week are based on this one passage in, in, the, in the book of Isaiah written like 3,500 years ago. And we're going to look at, and we're just going to read through that real quick, and I'm going to tell you just like what each night is going to be on. Just a couple words from each one, all right? 
And then we're going to talk about Jesus understanding his purpose, the lens that he looked through, not just to see who he was going to be and what he was going to do, um, was pretty cool, but the lens that we're going to look at this, this week is how he sees you, how Jesus looks at you, how God looks at you, and what he actually thinks of you will hopefully start to tear down some of those lies because all of those lenses, that fear lens was a lie because none of that stuff that our house sitter was going through is actually real. I mean, there were some real creepy guys who were at the, who were at the barbecue restaurant. Um, some of you are like, barbecue, are they cooking out? Yeah, like in the north, you go to a barbecue, and that's where they're doing it. We never call it that. If somebody invites you over for barbecue in the south, it means that you have pulled pork, all right? If you show up and they've got steaks or something else on the grill, you're like, dude, you are mistaken. This is a cookout, all right? So we just have different words for stuff down there, but that's Okay. But she works at this barbecue restaurant, and there's pretty much barbecue, pulled pork barbecue restaurants everywhere in North Carolina. That's pretty much all that we eat. I'm surprised everyone doesn't have gout. But either way, that's just kind of what's happening. That was the only thing real she was experiencing, but it caused her to put on these lenses. There really, are bad, there really is bad stuff happening all around us and, and to us. But if we, if we allow that to be the lens through which we view everything else, then life starts to go down a notch and we start to miss some of the awesome things that life has for us and that God has for us and that he wants for us. So let's look at that real quick. It's in Isaiah. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. It's in Isaiah 61. And it's very unique because this is a, part of this passage is actually in the New Testament. It's something that Jesus quotes about himself. So this is a a prophet writing this. So this is a prophecy that Jesus will be being fulfilled during his lifetime. It says this, Isaiah is writing, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So tonight we're going to talk about what it means for him to be a sovereign Lord. That's where we're going tonight, okay? Uh, Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release of darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Then they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So we're talking about sovereign Lord tonight. Then we're talking about freedom for the captives tomorrow, and it doesn't mean that necessarily you're spending time in prison, but we're captives to a lot of different things. We're talking about comfort for all who mourn, beauty instead of ashes, and ashes represented mourning back then. And then we're talking about that display of his splendor. So a little bit of of each one. God being sovereign means he's in control of everything. Now, he doesn't choose to control things to where, like, if something bad happens to you, that means God was in on it. Like, if somebody abused you or your a parent walked out on you in your life, it doesn't mean God was like, oh, now this time, I'm going to get his dad to just fly the coop and be God. No, God had nothing to do with that. But the lenses that we have sometimes taint that to where we're like, God, why did you, why did you have this happen to me? Well, he didn't have it happen to you, but because he's sovereign, it means that he has to allow things. Does that make sense? So he can choose not to allow something and choose to allow something. That's where a lot of our anger at God comes from. We're like, well, he could have stopped it. You're saying he could have stopped it, Nate? Yes, I am saying he could have stopped it. 
I do believe there's reasons why certain things have happened to me and maybe happened to you that do not negate the fact that God loves us. And we're going to talk about that as we get a little bit further into it. So Jesus is like standing in typically what they would consider, what we consider church now, the synagogue. This is where all of the good Jewish people were and they would worship and stuff. And they had this wall of scrolls because they didn't have regular books yet. So can you imagine like you have to read, like you're a big Harry Potter fan. You're like, all right. The new one's out. Deathly Hallows. And you're like, and you read to here, and you're like, well, there's page one through two. And you pull out the next one, you know, and you read the next one. That's how they had to read the Bible. And so they would would pull out the scroll for the reading of the day, and it just happened to land on this particular passage we read. And Jesus doesn't read it all. He doesn't read the whole scroll. He just reads part of it. And it's very, like, it's very... Like, like perfect, okay? So like if I read a quote from somebody that says, um, it's just a quote from somebody that says, I am the most awesome person who's ever lived. My name is, and then it had like Bob somebody, but I just grab it and I'm like, hey, I want to read you guys something. I'm the most awesome person who's ever lived. That's the, that's the end. You're just going to assume I'm being arrogant. You know what I mean? So Jesus grabs this scroll, they give it to him, and he only reads the part that applies to him. Not in arrogance, but letting them know, I know exactly who I am. I have the right set of lenses for me to view why I am even here. And here's what he says. It's in Luke 4, thir- starting in verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he was in the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. That's how I know he didn't read the whole scroll. He looked for a certain spot, and then he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He didn't go into the part about the the day of vengeance of the Lord and everything, which was actually a positive thing. Sounds like, wait a minute, the day of vengeance of the Lord? Right after it says, so to comfort all who mourn in Isaiah In other words, there's a lot of people who are upset because somebody's done them wrong. And it's like God will make sure that when people do something wrong, that it comes back to them if they don't, you know, seek forgiveness for that. So people were like, you know, I want justice for that. He's like, yeah, that'll come. But that's not what Jesus was here to do. He read everything he was going to do. He was like, I want to help people who are hurting. That's the basic crux of everything he said. And I can do it because I'm sovereign. I'm sovereign. I'm super powerful, and I can do what I want. That prayer that people pray, God is great, God is good, now we thank him for our food, by his hands we all are fed, give us now our daily bread. Have you ever heard that before? God is great, God is good, is like the deepest theological thought you can think about. He is great, which means he can do anything. He's all powerful. He is good, which means he always does the right thing. He's always going to make everything work together for good. That's a really deep thought. And Jesus was like, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm great. Not like cocky about it, but like I can do anything. I'm sovereign, and I'm here to help. I genuinely am interested in you, love you, care about you, and I want to help you through the situations that you're going through. 
And so people wouldn't mistake that Jesus was here to heal every little infirmity. Like you stub your toe and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It doesn't hurt anymore, does it? And you're like, oh, you've healed me, Jesus. And then he's like, okay, okay. He walks up to your house. Your dad's like sneaking out the back door and he's leaving you. And I know that sounds, I'm saying it kind of like it sounds funny. It's not funny. Okay, if that's happening, it's not funny at all. Jesus is like, not today, buster. And puts his hand on his head and he's like, you love your family. You're committed until death. I love my family. He turns around. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come in and every single time be like, okay, your grandma has cancer. Not anymore. He could, though. And that's, that's the dynamic where we're like, wait a minute, what is Jesus doing? And here's what he tells them. After he says the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And Jesus said to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard you do in Capernaum. Jesus had healed a lot of people in another town. They're like, hey, do that here. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Now, just stop for a second. You're like, wait, what is this? What's some historical thing Jesus is talking about? Yes. Like years and years ago, there had been a famine for three and a half years. There was no rain, so things just stopped growing. And there were tons of people who were suffering, who were even crying out to God. And God sent his prophet at the time, Elijah, to this one widow. And he did a miracle to where her food never ran out. Every time she went to her pantry and poured Lucky Charms in the bowl, there was more Lucky Charms. Always only one prize. But, you know, more, it wasn't Lucky Charms. But it was stuff that she could make bread with. And it never ran out. She's, like, pouring the little the olive oil there and, and like, the, the jar with the flour. And every day there's more in it. And God said that this is going to happen through Elijah. This is going to happen until the famine goes away. You're always going to have enough because she believed when he came to the door and said, I'm hungry, she took the last little bit that she had and she made food for him, even though her son and her had no more food in the house and they would probably die. And God used that faith and said, no, 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 I'm going to provide for you forever. And Jesus is saying this, now this lady's not Jewish and the people back then, they only liked themselves and everybody else was kind of icky outside, the Gentiles, everybody else. And so Jesus uses this story, he's like, yeah, there were plenty of Jewish ladies who were hungry. But God sent Elijah to one of them, not because God didn't care about the other ones, but because he's sovereign and he wanted to do something cool to show that he is God. And we're going to talk about in just a second why maybe he doesn't do some of those other things. Then he says this, there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time that, that flesh eating disorder where people are losing fingers and toes and ears and nose. And anyways, it looks kind of weird. You probably don't know anybody with leprosy, but just saying, okay. It was an ancient disease that still exists in some countries, some developing nations. In the time of, there were many of them with leprosy in the time of Elisha, Elisha the prophet. Elisha was trained by Elijah, and not because he had a cool name that sounded similar. It just happened, out, happened that way. Yet none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. This other dude who wasn't Jewish had this, and he came to Elisha, and Elisha told him to go into the Jordan River and dip seven times. At first, it made him so angry. Like, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to be in your river? Your river stinks. Like, he was like, why should I do this at all? And his servants were like, please do this. Believe that God can heal you because this man has done some awesome things in the name of God. And so he does it, not because he needed to dip in a dirty river seven times to be cleansed of leprosy, but because God wanted to see if he'd be obedient. And he was cleansed, but not all the other people with leprosy. 
And here's the thing. We hear about stuff. I heard from that little girl that her brother had died in the swimming pool, knowing full well that not even one year ago, my nephew down in Florida got into a swimming pool at his aunt's house and almost died and had to be airlifted out. They had even put up the pool guard. They have pool guards down there that, like, go in the ground and stuff and big netting. And so somehow he got through the little crack there and, like, came through and didn't have his puddle jumpers on and went into the water. And he almost died. They thought they were going to lose him. And I know that. And I want to share that with this little girl so that I, I say little girl. She's probably eighth grade. But I wanted to share this with her so that I can say, hey, I, I kind of know what you're feeling. But I'm, I'm holding back from telling her about it because I'm thinking, wait a minute. My nephew Micah survived. How's she going to hear that? Like, isn't she going to be like, why your nephew? Well, I decided to tell her anyway. Because I wanted her to know that God doesn't always choose to fix every situation. Occasionally he does so that we know he's real and that he's there, but we don't know why he makes the decisions he does. But we do know this. If God would heal every single person of cancer right now, just boom, boom, no cancer, no cancer, he'd fix all the marriages that are broken, he would, he would stop all the abuse and all the, all the self-image problems and, and, and all, the, all the way we look at ourselves, he would just clear that up. And we would we'd be like, ah, I have a positive self-image now. Thank you, Lord. And everybody's just perfect, right? Nobody would turn to him. Really, I mean, if your life was perfect as it was, if my life was perfect as it was, why would I ever think I need God? Now, why do I need God in the first place? Romans 6.23 says that the payment for sin, sin is anything that goes against God's will. It's when we take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing, kind of, and it might become a bad thing, or we take a bad thing and just keep it a bad thing. All those types, types of things, when we go against God, choosing our way over God's way, that's sin, and because he's perfect, that can't come into his presence. It's like an impenetrable wall in front, of, in front of us and him, and he can't have any relationship with that. That's why Jesus came in the first place, and we're going to talk more about that this week, why Jesus came to die for us, to remove that barrier from our lives, so you could be just straight up friends with God, which is pretty cool. But because sin is in the world, and God has given us this, this beautiful and yet terrible free gift called free will. You guys have heard of free will, right? It's the choice that you have to do stuff. So right here, I see your name, Robbie, right here. So if I walked up and just smacked Robbie in the face, which I'm never going to do because Robbie looks like an awesome guy, and plus I'm just not into smacking people in the face randomly. There has to be a reason. Give me a reason. I'm, I'm just kidding. No. So if, if I smack Robbie in the face and Robbie just jumps up, gets on top of his chair because I'm a tall dude, and just jacks me in the jaw, like, and we're like, Ugh! that's his free will. Now, he could have chose not to do that. He could have chose to just make sure I never speak at this camp again. Like, I'm going to talk to you right afterwards, Sparrow. What about this guy you brought in? You know, he could choose all kinds of things. I could choose all kinds of things, like not to smack him in the face. Oh, free will. We can do what we want. That's, I mean, that's how God designed us. It's pretty nice of him, but at the same time, free will trickles down to people. So my free will to be able to do what I want if I were to go up and smack Robbie, which I'm not going to do, it would affect Robbie negatively, right? And Robbie might even, if he has the wrong lens on, that's this kid right here, in case you're wondering who I'm pointing at. They're like, I don't know, which one is it? This is, this is Thomas. Robbie Thomas. Got it? Okay, anyway, so, so that would affect him. And if he has the wrong lens on because of things that's happened in his life, he might look up and be like, thanks a lot, God. 
as if God came down and was like, all right, here we go. No, no, because I have this wonderful and terrible gift of free will. Me using it affects other people for good or for bad. I could have walked up and gave him 20 bucks. He's like, thanks a lot, God. He's like, 20 bucks. Why wouldn't we give God the credit if I gave him? He might just think I'm a really nice guy. He's not going to be like, God, you're so awesome. Thanks for giving me 20. How much do you have in your big wallet anyway, Lord? You know, he's not going to do that. He's going to see it as me, and he's going to give me the credit. But if something negative happens to us, for some reason, we're like, oh, God, you're up to old tricks again. Don't you think I've had enough this week? See, him being sovereign allows him to occasionally do something providential, like something miraculous, to show everybody that he truly is there and that we need him. But if he takes care of every little thing, then he interferes with something called free will. God never wanted for you to be abused if that's happened to you. Somebody exercised that good and yet terrible gift of free will for the negative and it affected you. And when you've done something wrong, you've affected other people negatively and it just keeps trickling down and humanity becomes almost like this sickness that we just inflict on each other. Like if if I, you know, you vomit on me and you have some kind of virus, I might start vomiting too eventually, like in the next day. It's my choice of whether I go into the bathroom and keep it to myself or come out and vomit on one of you. And if I vomit on you and you pick up that virus and stuff, you're like, and you're like, you know what? Somebody vomited on me. They shouldn't have done that. I'm going to vomit on somebody else. I'm going to keep this thing going. Pay it forward, right? That's what we do when we mess up, when we do things wrong to other people. We're taking this, what should be a beautiful gift of free will, and we're twisting it, we're making it terrible, and we use it to where it trickles down to other people. One of the biggest lies I hear, even from church people, is that I hear it all the time. Everything happens for a reason. They're like, God's got this. And they say it to, to you when you're going through the worst possible stuff, or God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not in the Bible. It says that you'll never go through more temptation than you can handle. God will always provide a way to escape. Usually that's the word no. And we're not usually strong enough to say no. Sometimes we give in to peer pressure and stuff. But God gives us a way out of temptation. But he doesn't come alongside and say, well, you're going through too much. Let me fix this for you. We were never meant as human beings to go through the terrible stuff that we go through. It wasn't God's plan or design for you to go through abuse, for your parents to split up, for you to have people in your family that are dying, for you to have lost loved ones at this point. It was not God's will that that happened. It happened because we have a fallen world that's not perfect anymore because of human decisions. And we're constantly hurting each other. We're constantly doing things that trickle down to other people and harm them. And Jesus said, I am sovereign. I don't always choose to heal. Sometimes I do, but I'm here to walk with you through these problems, to comfort those who mourn, to be with the afflicted, to look at people who are imprisoned, who are blind, whatever they're going through, and say, let me be your strength. Where you're weak, let me help you there. Not let me heal this ankle. Let you put your arm around me, and let's go. You got, you're in this world that's messed up, and you need somebody to go through it with you. That's what Jesus brings to the table. Real quick before we close, do I have like five people here who are chewing gum? All right, you got gum with you? You're chewing gum? Anybody? Not, not, don't get some out now. You already have gum in your mouth. All right, you two, come here a second. And you right there. Uh, and you right here. You don't have gum? 
she's chewing on her tongue. Leave her alone. It's just a weird thing. It's a tick. Anyways, I'm just kidding. So we got three, two more people that have gum with them. Come on. Nobody's chewing gum. That's okay. You don't have to. You're chewing gum now. Okay, come up with your freshly just started chewing piece. And milks, come up. Yeah, real quick. Chop, chop, milks. All right. I want you to do me a favor. Trust me. Spit it in here. All right, just, yeah, I know you just put it in your mouth. It's to- so terrible. All right, real quick, real quick, real quick. All right, you five, come right up here for a second. You don't have gum, right? You don't have gum, right? I'd like to give you five a piece of gum. Thank you. See, here's the thing, guys. Bad stuff happens to everybody, and occasionally good things happen to people, and it might seem like it's at random and stuff, but if I had time to interview you guys, I guarantee you, you'd be like, are you kidding me with this? Why did I come up? I'm going to give you a piece of gum. I'm just, you'll get a fresh one in a second. But life wouldn't. Life would just take your gum. And you'd spit in the trash, it would be over. And life, and then you look over at other people who got gum who didn't deserve it. They never did anything to earn it. And here they have gum. They got their grandparents. Their parents are intact. I don't see them getting cut from the team. They didn't fail. They're not going to not get into the college they wanted. Why me? And life seems to just randomly hit us like whack-a-mole and then bless people who seem like they don't even need to be blessed in the first place. But God says, no matter what you go through, I want to go through it with you. No problem. Fresh piece. I hope that's your your flavor. It's my flavor. But I want to go through it with you. And I want to help you through life. That's what we're going to be talking about this week as we hit this beauty from ashes. I'm going to pray. And then they can go back and sit down, and we're going to have a couple announcements before we head out tonight. God, I thank you so much for each and every person here. Lord, I just ask right now that you would continue to speak into our lives, that we'd be open to what you might say to us this week. Lord, maybe we came in and we're kind of mad at you for something. God, I pray that your love would shine through all of the junk that we go through, and that we would see that you are a God who is close to the brokenhearted, not causing bad things to happen to us. But you're our strength when we're weak. And at our weakest, we need somebody like you. We can't go through it all on our own. We can't. So, God, we need you. I thank you so much for these volunteers up here, Lord, for them being willing to come up here as well. And, God, for each person here. I know that nobody here is is here this week by mistake. You knew who would be here, and you've got something to say to them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give them a big hand for being up here. You guys are awesome. Here's some random gum to give out to people. All right. That's it. Oh, there's one more. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.